Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast by Arcadis UK. And today we're going to be talking about the future of work and reimagining the workplace. COVID-19 has completely upended how we think about work, how we do work. It's ushered in new terminology like the hybrid model, agile working. The way we work is changing and businesses of all sizes are grappling with the challenges that they present. It's not just now about the requirements to make space and cost efficiencies. It's also crucial now that businesses and customers reduce their carbon footprint, but importantly, enhance the well-being for all employees. So societies slowly emerge from lockdown and working from home guidance lifts. How do we reimagine the workplace post-pandemic? What is the future of the workplace? Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah-Jane Osborne, who is the head of Workscape at Arcadis UK. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to kick off with the conversation to talk about the whole concept of workplace. Do you think the term now, as we as we look post-pandemic and the last 18 months, that the term is a little bit redundant and out of date and that that term has changed forever or the concept of workplace? The thing that it occurs to me is that it, it's so tied to physical place just by its very definition of workplace. And we've seen work delivered in a knowledge economy in so many different environments, predominantly, of course, from home offices during the pandemic. I prefer the terminology workscape, which takes in all of the different spaces in which work is executed for organisations. And I think the other thing to mention is that that leaves room for technology and culture because it feels like the whole landscape of environments in which work's done. Um, and I think it's really important to think about that blend of culture and technology um, as well as just the physical space. So you, you you refer to the term workscape. So that conjures up that beautiful saying that that landscape of places. Is that how you would term that? Yeah, definitely. I think it's now uh, an ecosystem and there's an ecosystem, isn't there, between the real world environments when we're together in the real world and our digital world. That's one ecosystem. The other ecosystem is the system between, um, you know, our home offices, our physical sort of head offices and our regional offices and hubs. Um, So it really is that how do all these things come together to create a landscape that we can work effectively in? And what do you feel? I mean, a lot of organisations at the moment are post-pandemic considering what their what their corporate real estate, what, what it is in many respects. Do they need all these offices? Do they look at hubs? Do they look at areas potentially around train stations and commuter towns? When you're thinking and advising your customers and clients, what does good really look like? I think the first thing is to understand the um, vision of our clients. That's really critical. What is it they're trying to deliver? What are the benefits that they've got to deliver both to their customers, clients, service users and all of their employees? And there's lots of contingent workers as well, lots of different ways of being part of an organization's efforts um, to realize its objectives in the world. So finding out what is that vision, does the future look like for them? And then moving into how do we support that? So what are the jobs to be done? Where and how do those jobs get done in a way that liberates the talent to be be at their best? I think that what's been really interesting is sentiment has changed during the pandemic. So how people used to think about their offices when they were home working. There was a there was a slight honeymoon period where people enjoyed leaving behind the commute, notwithstanding, of course, all of the challenges of COVID, which nobody would have, uh, have wished, wished upon 
upon ourselves. But actually, there was a, a breather from the pattern of work as we had known it. And people enjoyed the new benefits. And I think those have eroded over time. People have started to miss their colleagues, want to come together to work. So we asked a number of people in Leeds and Manchester what their hopes and aspirations were for returning back to the office. I'm most excited really about seeing colleagues and clients and spending time face to face. We've been away from the office for so long, it's about getting some balance and readdressing that and making it work for me. Like everyone else will have to work out how they want to engage themselves back in the office and get that balance right. The pandemic completely changed my view of what I wanted to be able to use office space for. For me, the benefits of not having to commute completely outweighed any of the downsides of not being able to see colleagues on a daily basis. Now I'll only go to the office in order to collaborate with people and it'll be a lot less frequently. Sarah Jane, what you've just heard, does that tally with what your customers and clients are asking you for? What's really interesting is through our surveys with end users in the early days um, of um, COVID working, people believed that they were waiting to get back in for their formal meetings, that perhaps they would still do their head down concentrated working and their focused work at home and come back in for their meetings. And as we've gone on, we've seen in the surveys that formal meetings are felt to be quite well supported by um, your know, virtual and digital world. So it's it's for people the, the informal collaboration and training has been well well delivered in a digital world, formal training, but it's that informal training and learning by osmosis, by being around your colleagues, by being around people and hearing how it's done, hearing different perspectives and really networking together for the best results. Hmm. And you can see that through a lot of survey results that's come through from lots of businesses is is very much that, isn't it? How do they get back and how do they collaborate together in that workplace? Now, I would say that if you're thinking of, of that future of workplace, it's very critical as well to attracting and retaining the best talent. Would you agree? Without question, without question. And I think what's really interesting is We've had a lot of autonomy and trust. We've been running our organisations not on presenteeism anymore, but on um, outputs and results. And um, a lot of organisations had in place good key performance indicators and um, the productivity appears to have been maintained for the most part. Um, and even enhanced in some cases. A, a small watch out of that, though, is some people have spent longer hours on their working activities simply because they've saved on commute. And in the early days of the pandemic, of course, there were less of our social activities available to us. Um, so it's hard to know if that productivity um, ramp up is going to continue in the same way that it has historically during the pandemic. And I think looking for a blend between real world interaction and that home home working um, and indeed, working from anywhere, you know, is going to be an important part of, of everybody's future considerations. And when you're designing and defining your workscape context, I know, and we'll come on to this shortly, that one of the, the major piece of work you've been involved in is Arcadis's new London hub at 80 Fenchurch Street. In terms of defining and diagnosing the whole workscape and the vision, what kind of clients have you been working with in the past? Who, who's asking for these uh, services? So we've been working with a number of clients before the pandemic. We might have been involved in project managing, program managing, delivering projects, as well as consultancy, change management, interior design. Um, but 
post-pandemic, all of our clients, no matter where they, where else they are, have activity, are in redefinition mode, asking themselves, what is their future workscape vision? So we've got a lot of consultancy going on to support that question. Workplace has become much more of a talent magnet, of a destination environment, of a brand beacon, because we're we're in that space for less of our time. So I think organisations are really conscious that when you are in, it's a fantastic space to reabsorb the values of the organisation, the principles, the brand, what you stand for, what you're doing, what you're what you're delivering in the world, what your CSR is. And people coming in for less of their week than they were and will be coming in less of their week than they were. That's a, a general trend across all organisations. So we're working with local government, central government, um, corporate real estate, financial institutions, um, ma- you know, manufacturing and technology companies, essentially all sectors are engaging in this redefinition of what workplace means to them. And I'm, I'm sure there's significant cultural considerations to take in into account as well. Huge cultural implications, yeah. And I think there's a lot of role modelling needed. There's a lot of sponsorship needed. There's a lot of buy-in from leadership required to deliver these programmes really successfully. Physical workplaces for some time historically have been a place of transaction, clocking in, clocking out, perhaps the old factory uh, mentality of going to that place of work. And I think now post-pandemic, and we were seeing this in the transition through agile working as well, physical working environments now have to be a place of belonging and not of transaction. So it's sort of a vibrant community hub at the centre of everyone's distributed workscape. Just thinking about the work that you've done around your new office at 80 Fen. I mean, I've heard this terminology mentioned within um, the station environment, those destination stations, the the likes of St Pancras and some other major stations that people go to not necessarily wanting to travel. I've heard the terminology referenced around uh, your office at 80 Fen. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, what you've done there to make it such an iconic sort of home for Arcadis in the UK? What we were trying to achieve is to create a destination workplace which would really pull people into it in order that we can come together. There's sort of, we've really shifted to activity-based settings. So there are about 20, over 20 different environments that you can work in from sort of chamber, concentrated working, focus booths, focus pods, all the way through to really quite noisy collaboration and socialization areas, huddle spaces, spaces, to facilitate quick exchange of ideas, come together some bookable some not bookable and I think that's really important you want to be able to grab somebody and strike while the iron is hot if you've got an idea that you'd like to deliberate or debate. How have your your teams and your colleagues responded to the new office environment at 80 Fen? I think the brand interpretation is really different in there historically we might have been a bit more overt about bringing quite large-scale quantities of the colours that we're known for in our brand definition and, and instead now we've looked at the psychology of colour, the psychology of textiles and finishes, incorporating planting, incorporating different lightings, different moods and modes for people to work in. And I've heard colleagues feedback that it feels they can get a space that suits them, warmer, cooler, brighter, you know, more buzzy and social, quieter and sort of more introspective or reflective when they're doing some more concentrated working. So it is that thing really of 
choice, the element of choice, the activity setting and allowing people to access the way of work that they need and even the different environments and temperatures and acoustic areas that they need to to do good work and to feel comfortable. If I just move on a little bit and talk about technology, that the pandemic has, has shone a light on our reliance on tech and various different IT systems, whether it's Teams or Zoom or, or whatever, really. There's just been so much reliance on on IT and, and also as well your Wi-Fi connectivity. Do you have the uh, sufficient bandwidth to do this? But how do you feel we can best leverage technology to improve that working life? And I know... It, as part of your um, work on 80 Fen, you've been uh, using a new, uh, bu- um, a new buildings intelligence uh, solution. So tell us a little bit more about technology and how you've applied buildings intelligence to 80 Fen. Yeah, that was really important to us, and um, particularly to think about our sustainability objective, taking the right amount of space, heating, cooling, lighting, the right amount of space while providing exactly the right user experiences. So we didn't want to compromise on how people would be supported by our our environment either. So the building intelligence piece, um, it's got basically a mobile app. That's how the users engage with the building. We have room wizards to um, give the feedback of what's in use and what's not in use. And interactive displays so people can, through the app or through the displays, um, access where the free space is. We've also got dashboards giving us the feedback on how the space is being used. So we've got this constant feedback loop on how the building's operating, how users are engaging with it. We can collect that data over time and adapt our our space to to give that enhanced user experience every time. As well as that, we've got a number of environmental sensors in there. So monitoring energy consumption and ensuring that heating, ventilation and air conditioning, um, it could be as much as up to 75% savings in some of those areas and up to further 25% on lighting savings. So we can enable and and disable various elements of of the building depending on where the peak utilisation is. Yeah, definitely. I think the figure out there is, I think, 40% of um, the UK's greenhouse emissions um, come from the built environment sector and how we reduce that. And what what is the what are you seeing from the appetite from other businesses around reducing their carbon footprint? The first thing to do is make sure that you really understand the data and the environment that you're working within. It's easy to make assumptions that there are certain things you can do to to reduce your negative impact um, on the environment or to improve your carbon footprint. But really understanding how that fits in context is ever so important. So it's great. And we're looking with a lot of clients at space reduction of anywhere between 10 and 50 percent of their real estate portfolios. And of course, that brings with it efficiencies in carbon production. But making sure you understand what happens when you're bringing in home working environments, how much energy are people using in those home working environments could be a consideration. And you talked about through your, your buildings intelligence app, the use of data. I mean, data is data is everywhere at the moment. Uh, how do you how do what do you do with that data once you get how do you improve or optimize the the running of that kind of workplace the data that we're gathering from our intelligent building solutions at 80 fern gives us the management insight to understand how the building's operating how users are engaging with it what they are requiring more of, what they are requiring reduction in potentially, so that we can pivot and flex over time. It's not a one-time solution. From a sustainability point of view, we've also been keen to ensure that we've got um, some 
environments that are flexible architecture that we can move around without unhinging them from the building infrastructure so that we've got a really future-facing environment that can adapt with time. Sarah-Jane, how do um, your customers get a kind of return on their investment as well? And what are the benefits that come out of this this whole approach to reimagining the workplace? So we work with our clients in the early days of the project to understand their business case and their vision and their future strategy. And we together identify what those anticipated benefits would be. And those can be financial. They can be from a a sustainability or environmental point of view. They can be user experience. They can be speed to fulfill roles in their organization, reduced attrition, improved absenteeism. Um, So there are the benefits that we're looking to map against might be really varied, but it's really key that you create um, a framework for that. Sarah Jane, just reflecting on your your personal experience and your thirty years of um, experience within the built environment and looking at the whole concept of workplace and workscape, what have you learned through this process? Particularly thinking about COVID over the last eighteen months, and how have you applied that to some of your projects? During COVID, I've become really acutely aware of how interconnected everything is. And it's been really fantastic to have such great support from our digital teams and also to have sustainable environmental advisory as as well as the intelligent building teams, bringing all of that expertise together with all the ability to lean on our built environment specialism has given us real insight to capitalise on supporting ourselves and, of course, our clients during the pandemic and beyond. If I finish on this final question, Sarah-Jane, actually you've talked about that kind of evolving nature of the workplace, the the theme around workscape and that very much that landscape of places. We're obviously operating now in this kind of post-COVID environment and things are a little bit of flux. If you look five, ten years ahead, what do you see as the future of the, the workplace and and how will Workscape evolve over that time? Thinking of the future of work and the delivery of work, I think we're going to really see the blend between digital and real world environments. There are um, developments of technologies where you can all bring yourselves as avatars into the same space. It's a challenging time to bring together remote and proximate users in meetings and how you create an equitable playing field for all to contribute valuably to the meetings. So I think we'll see technology support us in finding great solutions to all of those sorts of things. Work has become more global. We've become a more global community. I know that I've been working with clients um, in different countries that I perhaps wouldn't have been able to do without traveling to be part of those meetings before. I think We're looking for amenity-rich workplaces, places that we go in and we can socialise one another. That social collateral is really important in organisations to bring us together, to to feel that common sense of purpose. And space has become a little bit more playful, so hobby spaces and and, and areas to hang out and socialise together have become so important to us. I think as the human condition, that's one of the things we've missed the most, that interaction with one another. And I think future future workplaces, we've already seen um, fantastic club club style working. We've seen things like climbing walls and art galleries and maker spaces and music spaces, recording studios. Those campus experiences, I think, will also pull pop up environments into them. So we're 
talking about artisanal things such as other restaurants and cafe spaces and vendor spaces. So there'll be a little bit of a blend between the organisation curating everything itself and bringing in community partners to create this really rich experience. Sarah Jane Osborne from Arcadis UK, thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about what you've heard today, please visit arcadis.com or follow us, Arcadis UK, on social media. You've been listening to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast by Arcadis. Arcadis.